Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was alone there. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, Jesus came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when Peter noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, God of the wind and God of the calm, God of the water and God of our feet upon it, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of miraculous life, We thank you for the gift of faith. We thank you for the gift of Jesus, who showed us the fullness of both life and faith. Now may you put into my mouth the words you would have me speak and take from my mouth those you would not. So I'm gonna say it again. This is one of my favorites. This passage from scripture is one of my favorites. Actually, both this passage from John this morning and from Matthew are two of my favorites and two which over the last couple of years in particular have had a lot of resonance for me. Because I'm just gonna go ahead and say it, that I firmly believe that we should be able to walk on water. I firmly believe that we should be able to walk on water. I believe that we should be able to multiply loaves and fishes. I believe that we should be able to heal ourselves and one another. I firmly believe that these miracles that Jesus laid out in scripture, these things that he showed us, I believe that we have the capacity to do. Why? Well, quite simply because he tells us that we do. He tells us that we can. In this passage from John this morning, he explicitly says, you can do all that I am doing and even more. 
So in that note, why don't we just notch it up a little bit and say not only should we be able to walk on water, but we should be able to fly. Let's just level it up. If we're living in this miraculous space, let's just live it up. What I love about the passage from Matthew this morning is that we actually see someone who is not Jesus walking on water. I think that's really important. Peter, who is this par exemplar, this perfect example, like Taylor said, this great person of like, put yourself in the spot of Peter. Peter is a great place to put your spot in because he is so very human. The way his character is written and understood, the way we understand him, he is supposed to be very human. Paul is complicated because we get all of his words to us. So we have a tendency to elevate Paul a little above human. He's still very, very human. But Peter is shown to us again and again and again, even in this passage, as being a very human human. So I believe that we should be able to walk on water because Peter walks on water. He did. He does. Yet why can't we? And this is where it gets me now, is because I think that we are actually so disconnected from ourselves, from one another, and from this place. I think we believe in ourselves so little that we don't walk on water because quite simply we say it's impossible. Now there's rational, right? You could say, well, it's not rational. It doesn't make any sense. You don't understand the reality of the world. No, trust me, I understand the reality of the world. I understand the reality of those things which are telling us what we dream to be possible really is possible. That the world tells us that it is impossible. That our circumstances tell us that it is impossible. But I believe that there is something about Jesus here, about his potency, of the spirit that he brought, this knowledge and awareness of who and what we are, that I believe being closer to him for Jesus enabled Peter to actually walk on that. Jesus comes to them as a ghost. They see him as a ghost. I think he's probably glowing a little bit. I don't know, but as I read that, I'm like, maybe he's got this other sense about him. They don't recognize him. They say explicitly that he's a ghost. He looks strange. Jesus has been up on the mountain by himself, alone, we'll assume in prayer and meditation. We have the word immediately three times in these 10 verses, nine verses. Anytime you hear the word immediately, that is an indication of the presence of God in the here and now, in the right now. The immediacy of God is what Jesus calls us into. So when we are present with the immediacy of God, that is when I believe we are able to transcend this plane. Now, does that sound weird? It sounds a little weird, right? Because you're like, I don't care about walking on water right now. I just like to know that I can pay my rent and my mortgage. I don't care about multiplying loaves and fishes right now. I just want to know that I can eat tonight. I don't care about flying right now. I would just love a comfortable place to sleep. I would just love to know that I'm not quite so alone in this world, in this place. So friends, what I think is that, and what I am learning to know is that, what I think up here, what I am learning to know and to feel in here, is that as we learn to be present with what is, with the immediacy of what is, as we learn to keep focused on Jesus, 
these anxieties tend to have a way of pulling less and less of our energy. Does that make sense? So I'm like, what I'm saying is if we stay focused on Jesus, our needs will be cared for in a particular way. And you're like, well, I am focused on Jesus. I pray to Jesus. I think about Jesus. I worship Jesus. I do all these things. And still these things are hard. Yes. And then I'm wondering if are we really catching on to what Jesus called and told us to do? Because remember when he says in John, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he is talking about a way of being. He is talking about a way to live in right relationship with ourselves and one another that enables us to transcend this world. So what I'm saying is, again, when he talks about that way, what is that way? Again and again, he sits down, he breaks bread with one another. He sees everyone as a neighbor. He sees everyone as part of himself. As I am looking out at your faces today, I can feel the weight of the world. Like I'm distracted because I can see every set of eyes looking back at me right now. And I can feel the weight that you're holding. I can feel the weight that we are all holding. I can feel the weight of this world telling us that it is impossible for us to find our way back to who we are called to be. I can feel the exhaustion. I can feel the anxiety. Friends, if we want to figure out how to make it through this time, which I firmly believe we are not only going to do, but that we are already doing, it is okay. In fact, I would say it is essential to be honest about the things which are pulling us away, which are causing us to sink. Because in those moments, what I found is if we let ourselves actually sink, if we're present even with Jesus, we pulled away, we are gonna sink, that there is a hand that is willing to pull us up. But we have to start by being honest about the ways in which we are overwhelmed. And I get, think we get to do that together. What does that mean, Jess? What are you saying? What is the practical here? What is the takeaway? What do we do with that? I'm sorry to say it, but I'm not sorry to say it, but again and again and again, I think what we do is we learn how to be present with stillness, and I think we learn how to be present with one another. When we're present with stillness, we are present with ourselves. When we are present with one another, we are present with our neighbor. The gift of that presence to ourselves and our neighbor is love. When we're present with ourselves, we are loving ourselves. When we are present with our neighbor, we are loving our neighbor. What does Jesus say are the greatest two commandments? To love God and to love neighbor. And I have to tell you that as we learn how to love ourselves and love our neighbor, it is impossible to not fall absolutely in love with God. Because you realize that God is in our neighbor. You realize that God is in yourself. And you realize in that, that the things which pull you away, those storms of anxiety, whether it's how to, all of those things are pulling you away from the reality of love that is holding you in the center of it all. So then what happens is you start to develop a relationship with your neighbor. You start to develop a relationship with yourself. You start to see yourself as worth living for. You start to see your neighbor as worth living for. 
in community, in love. And then you realize that you start caring for one another so that when you have a moment of overwhelm and stress, maybe it's financial, maybe it's emotional, you ask for help. And then sure enough, someone is there to help you because you have this relationship with your neighbor and yourself. Am I making sense? We are at a place in the world and in this congregation, I'm gonna take those two, where it feels like, what's going on? Now what's beautiful is that here in this congregation there is a very healthy, what's going on? Who are we? What are we doing? We're stressed out, we don't know what's going on. We don't have an installed full-time pastor right now. We don't know, do, 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 right, all of those things. So right now, those are the storms that are pulling you away from the reality of the presence of God within and among your neighbors and yourselves. So even as we stick here, how do we, how do we avoid the storms? How do, we avoid, how do we avoid in that moment sinking? I think by part, we actually name, we're nervous about the storms. We share that together, but then we keep coming back together. And then you find, oh wait, we are this community. We are more than one person. We do have a pastor. We are still looking for and waiting for and praying for that pastor who is being called to us, who is being prepared for us, and is who doing so on the Lord's timing. My friend Charles will say so often, it drives me mad every single time, when you're moving on the Lord's timing, you are never late. I'm like, the Lord needs to get closer to my timing because I am feeling overwhelmed. Friends, again and again and again, what I find is that my focus on this becomes my focus on the storm, which prevents me from seeing the reality of the ways in which God is showing up everywhere. I'm going to say it again and again and again. God is active in and through this whole process, not only in the world, but specifically here at Westminster. God is moving in and through all of it in perfect timing. So what do we do in the meantime? We breathe. We pray. And not in a way that's frivolous, but in a way that actually believes that our prayers do something. That believes that we actually do have the capacity to do what Jesus said that we would do, which is what he could do and even more. We share meals together. We also say, what do we want? Where do we most experience Jesus? If you don't experience Jesus most in the ways that the church has created programming, and you would like to experience Jesus in other ways, then we can change programming. It's amazing. You can say, well, we want to do this this way. Jesus would far prefer we show up authentic than show up just trying to please him. Because our authenticity is what pleases him. He didn't let Peter sink. He didn't let Peter sink. He reached his hand out and he pulled Peter up. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and presume that when he pulled Peter back up, that he wasn't holding P Peter like a baby. That when he pulled Peter back up, that Peter was standing on that water with him again. Jesus didn't shame Peter. He did say, you have little faith. That's not shaming. He's saying, you can do this. Your faith is small. I see it, but you can do this. You do not need to focus on the storm. The storm is going to be there. 
The storm is inevitable, and yet so is Jesus. To find Jesus, to experience, to know how to live into the way that he is calling us to live into, you sit down, be present with yourself, allow yourself to be overcome with the majesty of all that is, even in the simplicity of a shared meal with a beloved friend. And I guarantee you, the more that you start letting yourself be drawn into those spaces, those beautiful, tender, vulnerable spaces where the holiness resides, the more you will see the miraculous manifesting all around you, even within you. And I think that is the space where we will begin to truly not only believe, but to know that we can walk on water too.